Did you know that gold and silver can still be delivered to your door or placed directly into your IRA or 401k tax-free and penalty-free? That's right, real gold and silver in your hands or your retirement accounts. Why should you own real gold and silver? Because they both hold their value, especially when markets decline or fail. Oxford Gold Group is the industry leader in precious metals, offering gold and silver at the lowest prices on the market. It's the company I trust to put gold and silver into both my hands and into my IRA. The Oxford Gold Group will beat any competitor's price on gold, silver, platinum, and palladium. Call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and request your free precious metals investment guide. That's 833-600-GOLD and speak to the Oxford Gold Group today. They'll answer all your questions and send you their precious metals investment guide. Call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD, 833-600-GOLD. This is Buck's First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Buck Sexton listeners. If you do not know me, I am obviously not Buck Sexton. My name is Rob Smith. I am a senior contributor with Turning Point USA and a Rock War veteran, the author of a book called Always a Soldier and the host of a podcast called Rob Smith is Problematic. You can get this podcast wherever podcasts are sold. And Buck has 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 relinquished his show to me. For a couple of days so that we're just going to, you know, talk about what's going on in the world. There's a lot of stuff going on. So the first big thing that is going on right now is Caitlyn Jenner. Yes, of the, the Kardashian clan, Caitlyn Jenner, probably the most famous transgender person in the world, has announced that she is throwing her hat in the ring to run for governor of California. Now, anybody who has been paying any attention in the world knows that California is um what is the correct term for it? a hot mess <laughs> california has been a hot mess for a, a very long time now um california has homelessness out the roof uh california has tax increases like crazy um california has trash all over the streets california has used to be a, a very beautiful place to live from what i hear um it has turned into an absolute crap hole <laughs> to to use that term so let me tell you a little bit about uh about california about my california experience so i have done some work with candace owens and the blexit movement the uh the black exit from from the democratic party and the first blexit rally that they had in california um they had downtown downtown la and so this wasn't my first time to california but this is my first time staying in downtown la i was very excited i was like okay let me go to downtown la and you know since i was living in downtown brooklyn at the time and i was thinking about making a move over to los angeles i thought that being in downtown la would be great it was not great it was scary it was disgusting it was really something else and i'm talking about homeless people everywhere all on the streets trash everywhere um, people getting into fights, you know, you, you take a wrong term, turn and, and you're in Skid Row. Uh, it, it's absolutely crazy. And so Cal Caitlin is, is running for governor to try to clean this stuff up because you know that, uh, Governor Newsom is the subject of a recall petition. They got 
more than enough signatures for this recall petition. I believe that they were they had to get like 1.5. I believe they've got uh, something close to two million signatures for this recall. And the interesting thing about this, uh, how the Democrats were playing this, is that they were actually trying to get the names and addresses of anybody who signed this recall petition to be released. Obviously, they backed off on that because it's 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 nothing more than intimidation. So. People in California do not like their leadership, right? But the the interesting thing to me is that they keep on voting for these Democrats. Uh, Governor Newsom has shut down the state. Uh, Governor Newsom has you know presided over tax increases. Uh, Governor Newsom has, has pretty much run this state into the ground, and people want a change. Enter Caitlyn Jenner. So Caitlyn Jenner, this is literally breaking news. This this just happened today. She she released this statement, and I'm going to read you a little bit of what Caitlyn said. California has been my home for nearly 50 years. I came here because I knew that anyone, regardless of their background or station in life, could turn their dreams into reality. But for the past decade, we have seen the glimmer of the Golden State reduced by one party rule that places politics over progress and special interest over people. I've been a compassionate disruptor throughout my life, from representing the United States and winning a gold medal at the Olympics to helping advance the movement for equality. As Californians, we face a now or never opportunity to fundamentally fix our state before it is too late. Californians want better and deserve better from their governor. La, 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 blah, blah, blah. Politicians speak, politicians speak, politicians speak. So the question is, now that we know that Caitlyn Jenner is putting putting her hat in the ring, ring to run, can Caitlyn Jenner win? And And I'm telling you, never discount the power of celebrity. When it comes to to uh, politicians and into running for office, like, of course, you know, Donald Trump is is the the obvious choice. But you have to remember, um, you know, Ronald Reagan started Ronald Reagan was an actor before he became a politician. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger became governor uh, of, of California. So, you know, back in the day. So this is a really big thing. And it will be very interesting to me to see how Caitlyn Jenner really goes about this. Because here's the thing, Caitlyn Jenner, in, in one of my biggest frustrations, and I think that one of the biggest opportunities uh, that Caitlyn Jenner missed was that, so when Caitlyn Jenner came out as transgender, and you know, you had all the fanfare, the Vanity Fair cover, like all of that other stuff, all of the hoopla, but Caitlyn Jenner was always a Republican and had been a Republican for, for a while, right? And so for me, and whether you guys know this or, or not, or, or if it's relevant, I'm gay, um, it, you know, I talk about that in my book a, a lot, and I talk a lot about I'm gay, I'm not LGBTQ, I'm not the far left alphabet soup, I have nothing to do with any of that. But it's very interesting that when Caitlyn Jenner came out as a Republican, and she had actually kind of come out for Trump in 2016, but there was a lot of pressure from the the far left and the woke left and the LGBTQ and the alphabet soup to make Caitlyn Jenner sort of um, disavow Trump. And now, you know, she hasn't really talked about politics or anything for a while. She had a a failed reality show. I I think that she was trying to kind of bow to to kind of like the woke, you know, the woke left. And and she was trying to do that. That wasn't really working out. So the interesting thing to me with Caitlyn Jenner running for for office is – she going to put for governor of California is she going to put the emphasis on the policies are they going to really talk about the policies that are destroying California from the inside out um the the billions of dollars wasted on the homeless situation uh you know the 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 housing shortage the the skid row all of that other stuff 
Is she going to put the focus on those policies or is she going to try to run to appease the woke left and the far left? And the thing about California is this. Um, the thing about it is, is that I don't think that you can run against those policies because California is a failed one party state. These policies. And let me tell you something. The policies that they're pushing in California right now, this stuff gets nutty. Okay, we're talking about comprehensive sex education and LGBTQ education and all of that crap um, from kindergarten to to fifth grade or or from K through 12. So all of that stuff is there. Um, They've got the BLM stuff in the curriculum. It's crazy. I have a a friend named Yako Boyens. He has a podcast as well. And he does a lot. Uh, he does a lot of stuff when it comes to to sex trafficking and, and, and child sex trafficking and all this stuff. And so he really does put a spotlight on some of the more radical um, stuff that is targeting kids throughout the public education system. And, and this is in states like California and to a lesser extent, New York. But California is one of the very worst states when it comes to stuff like this. So my question is, is Caitlyn Jenner going to be smart? And to just leave the woke stuff alone and focus on fixing California to make it livable again. Or is Caitlyn Jenner going to fall prey to the woke left? Is 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 Caitlyn Jenner going to, you know, try to kind of um, cater to them? And I think that it would be a losing game if Caitlyn Jenner decided to cater to them. I think that the best thing to do is to let these Californians know, make them aware of the fact that. Their state is dying and somebody needs to fix it and somebody needs to fix it right now. I think the celebrity would help. And the part of me that that, you know, I I love pop culture. I'm a pop culture guy. Like I'm, you know, into the celebrity status and all that stuff. The interesting thing to me is going to see uh, how the Kardashians and, 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 you know, uh, Kylie Jenner and all of that other stuff, how they react to Caitlyn running for governor, because that means they, they are going to have to support their father, because Caitlyn is Caitlyn Jenner is their father, like they have a mother, Chris Jenner. So, but they're going to have to support their their father running for governor as a Republican. And to me, as somebody who is really focused on um, how Republican and conservative policies can hit the culture, uh, this is very important because this is a cultural moment when Caitlyn Jenner would probably, arguably, the most famous transgender person in the entire world. Um, somebody that has all of those Hollywood connections, when they decide that they're that she's running for governor, that's going to get a lot of attention. So I am very curious to see how this ends up. I am very curious to see how Hollywood, how media, how celebrities, and how all of these people react to this. Because it's the double-edged sword. And, and it's really funny because the woke left will tell you, you know, they're so tolerant and so inclusive. And the woke left will tell you that they love absolutely everybody, right? But as a gay man who leans, who is conservative Republican, I will tell you that they do not care um, about that. As long as soon as you become a Republican, you are public enemy number one. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this crowd reacts to Caitlyn Jenner and, and how they will try to tear her down. Literally, um, I was, you know, I follow some of the the far left, you know, woke LGBT alphabet soup mob on Twitter. And, um, you know, some of them have outlets and they're covering this in the comment sections are just insane. <laughs> These comment sections are insane. They're, they, they are insane. So it's going to be very interesting to see how far Caitlyn Jenner gets when it comes to this California run for governor. And it'll be very interesting to see how Caitlyn is treated by this tolerant and inclusive 
uh, leftist woke mob. I have uh, an inclination that they are not going to welcome her with open arms. So now earlier this week, um, the George Floyd, Derek Chauvin trial came to an end. Derek Chauvin was found guilty on all counts. And um, I want to get into something else that happened in in the wake of that. So this was a uh, a young black girl named Micaiah Bryant that was shot and killed by police officers in uh, Columbus, Ohio. You may have heard about this stuff. I talked a little bit about it yesterday. There has been um, a thickening of the plot and even more idiotic media reactions. But to give you a recap, um, this this young girl, this is a 16 year old black girl in Columbus, Ohio, was um, was shot. As she was wielding a knife at another young lady. And so the initial reports to this, uh, the initial reports just read, um, you know, in the wake of the, the George Floyd verdict, um, another uh, young black girl shot to death by police officers. And, and this was, you know, the Washington Post and NPR and, and you know, the, the usual sus- suspects reported it like this. And also, you know, as we all know, there's always a changing to the story. When the body cam footage came out, you found and you saw that this girl was literally about to stab uh, another girl. Uh, the the officer it happened very cla- very quickly. If you watch the video, the officer it seems like he was left with no choice. But this wasn't enough for the woke mob because I want to tell you um, how some of them responded to this initially. There is an uh, an activist named Bree Newsom. She was uh, a BLM activist. She was very famous for for scaling the uh, the flagpole in North Carolina or excuse me South Carolina and taking down the Confederate flag. She tweeted, and I quote: "Teenagers have been having night." Excuse me. Teenagers have been having fights, including fights involving knives for eons. We do not need police to address these situations by showing up to the scene and using a weapon against one of the teenagers. So this is the the BLM take on all of this stuff. Valerie Jarrett, uh, probably one of the most powerful women in the world, said a black teenage girl named Micaiah Bryant was killed because a police officer immediately decided to shoot her multiple times in order to break up a knife fight. Demand accountability. Fight for justice. And so just when you think that the left can't get any dumber, that they cannot get any more disconnected or divorced from reality, now we are basically at the point where we are condoning basically teenage knife fights, right? And so, and I'm going to tell you, um, there there's some new footage uh, from the fight. And there is a, a neighbor's reaction to everything that came out. And and I really do um, want you to listen to this because it really does shine a lot of light on exactly what was happening. So I'll play uh, cut uh, 13 and 14 to me. We've had a lot of people guess at what might have been his choices. Nine seconds he had to deal with a volatile situation. What, in your interpretation, were his choices in that moment? Not much. He only, like you said, he only had seconds um, to respond. Um, from my point of view, watching this, unfortunately, the whole scenario put him in a bad spot regardless of what the situation was. He could have either not fired and the young lady in pink could have got stabbed in the neck or and been brutally or fatally injured and then responded and shot. And that would have been two young ladies possibly dead. 
Um, or he could have responded the way that he did. And unfortunately, one lady lost her life in an incident that probably could have been avoided. And so this is is where we are right now. And <clears throat> the thing about it is, and when we talk about this entire situation, and I uh, I, I tweeted something this morning. You can follow me uh, at uh, Rob Smith online on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as, as well. But this is something that I tweeted. I said, "Why is nobody curious about the take of this other young lady whose life was saved by this cop? Why is nobody reaching out to her? Why is nobody interviewing her? Why is no Why does nobody care at all about this other young girl whose life was saved?" And I can tell you why nobody cares about her is because her life doesn't matter because it is not convenient to the narrative that they're trying to push. And the, the narrative that they're trying to push, like this is where we are right now with the left when it comes to policing and all that stuff. And by the way, I always have to say a million times that this this is a, it's, it's a tragedy no matter what. It is a tragedy no matter what. But nobody cares about this other young lady whose life was saved. And there was, I think there was a clip of this other girl as she was walking away. She was like, uh, yeah, you know, she's about to stab me. He got her. And that, to me, is the craziest thing about this whole thing. So you have people on the left that would literally, they're saying that to be involved in a knife fight as a teenager is just a perfectly normal thing. It is perfectly normal for teenagers to just get into knife fights. And it is the police officer's fault for inter- intervening. When the police officer was called to that scene because of the entire altercation. And I it just the, the stupidity of some of these people. Let me tell you something. When every thought that you have to put out is filtered through a political lens, which says that I'm liberal, so I have to think this and say this or I'm conservative, so I have to think this and say this, then you lose all semblance of common sense. You lose common sense. And so these people that are talking about um, not having police officers break up night fights, knife fights, uh, these people that are, are, you know, making excuses for teenage knife fights, they are not speaking common sense. And they get even more crazier because I just I, I really want to break down some of the leftist reaction to this by people who are, um, you know, seasoned enough and famous enough to know better. And I'll get into that after the break. Over the weekend, I cooked a whole three-pound moink, free-range chicken, no hormones, no antibiotics, and the best flavor of any chicken I've ever had. I absolutely loved it. So did my girlfriend. We had a feast on our moink chicken, and now I'm thawing out some bacon, my friends, because moink is simply the best. They deliver grass-fed and grass-finished beef, lamb, pork, and chicken, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, direct to your door. This is the box that you need to have sent to you because it also helps family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. Their animals are raised outdoors, their fish swim wild in the ocean, and moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormone sugar, and all the other junk you find in the prepackaged meat aisle. Sign up at moinkbox.com slash buck. That's right. All you have to do is go to the website moink, M-O-I-N-K, box, B-O-X, dot com slash buck once this this box arrives i'm telling you you'll see inside so much delicious carnivore goodness i mean the best stuff imaginable the steaks the filet mignon the ribeye the pork chops it's amazing join the moink movement today 
Go to moinkbox.com slash buck right now, and listeners to this show get free ground beef for a year. And come on, that's an incredible deal, and the ground beef is absolutely amazing. The best you'll ever taste, but this is only available for a limited time. M-O-I-N-K box.com. Moinkbox.com slash buck. Go to the website now, moinkbox.com slash buck, and have the best meat you'll get anywhere delivered right to your door. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Follow Buck on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So like I said, there are a lot of people who should know a lot better that are talking complete gibberish when it comes to this Makai Bryant shooting and, and when it comes to the idea that you know, teenage girls to just be allowed to have knife fights, you know, just like this is, I don't know, the, the outsiders or, or, or West Side Story or something like that. So I want to play for you. This is um, Juan Williams, our, our favorite liberal on Fox. And the thing about Juan Williams is that when I told you in, in the previous segment that there are some people who literally filter every thought that they have in their mind uh, through whether or not, you know, they have a liberal or conservative perspective on anything. He's the resident Fox News liberal. And these are his resident Fox News liberal thoughts on this. Play cut 17. Well, I guess I would shoot the gun, not necessarily at somebody, but maybe shoot the gun and maybe, you know, run at the person and try to disarm them. I, I don't know. I mean, so wait, 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 you would shoot the gun life, in the air like a warning shot? Not well. Hopefully, to distract or to try to stall or something, so I could oh. get or my partner oh. could get the, the knife away. I see is what I was saying. Well, I don't know. I mean, I taking someone's life work, is pretty okay. strong. I don't either. I'm I don't right. either, Jesse. I mean, Jesse, policing is tough work. Um, but all I'm saying yep. is, you know, I think. I think that that woman with the knife is a danger to society. It's certainly a danger to the other person, and we want her to stop and be disarmed. I just, I just also think that killing a human is pretty radical. I don't think that's a good thing. But what I see overall here, you know, you asked me what I see. I see people now using this Ohio case, which is messy, as you and I just discussed, to somehow really try to change the subject, you know, from what happened in Minnesota with the Chauvin uh, guilty verdict. Okay, well, Juan Williams, you know, Juan Williams is is really something else. But but this is the conversation that we're having here. And the the interesting thing to me is that um I you know I did an interview with a police officer for uh, my podcast. Rob Smith is problematic. That'll be out in a couple of weeks. And uh, his name is Brandon Tatum. And I've got a clip from him uh, coming up a little bit later. But. These people, and I've never been a police officer. What I have been is a soldier in Iraq. What I've been is a, a soldier overseas. I, I served in Iraq. I, I deployed to Kuwait, Iraq. I did the whole thing. When you are in a life and death situation, and particularly when you're a police officer and you see someone literally about to get knifed, you're, the adrenaline starts running through you. You have split second to make that decision. It's not the decision that somebody that is Monday morning quarterbacking in a TV studio that has never had to make a decision like that before has to make. And it is disingenuous for for people like Juan Williams to pretend that, oh, you know, just, you know, shoot the gun in the air or, you know, just, you know, shoot the shoot the uh, the, the knife out of their hand or something like that. It's completely ridiculous. And now. That this these more sides of the stories are are coming out now. People are actually starting to talk sense. 
people, even Don Lemon, Don Lemon on CNN, Don Lemon, who who used to be um, pretty much conservative, but, you know, since he started getting uh, CNN paychecks and, and he's owned by the left now, he's become a leftist. Even Don Lemon has said that, you know, maybe we have to take a step back. And maybe uh, uh, we have to think a little bit more about this situation because this isn't the case of just like this. This girl wasn't just like standing there in, in some police officers just like, oh, there's a little black girl. Let me shoot her. This is not what happened. But listen to Don react Don Lemon's reaction uh, to the video. Play uh, 15. There's a lot of anguish. Uh, people are very emotional right now, but we've got to be fair about what happens when police arrive at scenes. It is tragic that it's a 16-year-old girl, just as it is tragic that it's a 13-year-old in Chicago. Um, When police are chasing people, they don't know how old they are. And they don't run and say, hey, how old are you? Oh, I'm 13. You know, my mom let me, you don't know that. Or I'm 16. When they roll up on a scene, they see people tussling around. Someone has a knife. And their job is to protect and serve every life on that scene. And if they see someone who is in the process of taking a life, what is that decision? What decision do they have to make? And I know that people say, well, you know, you could do this, you do that. Tasers don't work the way guns work. Not at that, not at that distance. Not at that distance. And And not with that amount of time. Yeah, right. Tasers, then they don't always connect. Now, Don Lemon better watch out because, you know, when you start making sense, the, the, the woke lefties, they come after you. When you start making sense and when you start speaking anything outside of what they think that the right take on any circumstances, they start coming after you. And now, now, um, there, Sonny Hostin on The View kind of came after him a little bit. And it'll be very, it, it's very interesting to me the way in which she kind of flipped the story a little bit. Play cut 22. I want you to, uh, I want you to understand exactly what she's doing here also allegedly attacking her. Let's compare apples to apples. Let's compare this uh, young girl, 16 or uh, 16 years old or 17 years old, to other 17-year-olds. Let's compare her to Kyle Rittenhouse. Video was taken 15 minutes before Rittenhouse allegedly shot and killed two people. You know what officers did? He was carrying an assault weapon. Uh, The video shows the police shared water with him and thanked him for uh, uh, his presence. Also, after the shooting, he was able to leave the scene. Even though caught on video, he walked towards police with his hands up as protesters yelled that he had shot people. Let's also compare him to the Atlanta shooter, Robert Aaron Long. He was taken into custody without incident. And you know what the officer said that arrested him? the captain, that he was having a really bad day. How about comparing him to Dylan Roof? In June of 2015, he killed nine churchgoers. He was treated so kindly by police that he was taken to a Burger King. So was de-escalation a possibility here in this case? Not with this black girl, not at all. So this is deeply disingenuous, first of all. And I just want to make you I, I want I want you to really be aware of the the racial narrative that that they're sort of putting right here. And the thing with the Kyle Rittenhouse thing, and, and this is what's going on here, is that Kyle number one, it was it was dumb of that kid to to take that gun and then travel state lines. He was that was self-defense. He walked towards police officers with his hands up. There was no there was no altercation. Like these police officers were not running into an altercation. And what they do 
is they compare completely different situations that have really nothing to do with each other, except for the fact that they find some white person to compare it to in order to sort of push, push the racism, push the race agenda, push it, push it, push it. And the saddest thing about all of this stuff is that we never talk about the institutions that failed this young lady, Makai Bryant. She was a foster kid. She was, you know, basically in, in and out of homes. You know, her, her mother didn't even have the custody of her. So there were a lot of institutions that failed this young girl. But that police officer saved another young lady's life. So when we're talking about everything that's going on here, when we're talking about, you know, the police officers and, and demonizing the cops and all of this stuff that is going on right now, there is a demonization of police that is going on right now. It is coming from wealthy black liberal Hollywood celebrities like LeBron James, who, by the way, tweeted out a photo of this police officer that was involved in the Makai Bryant shooting, tweeted out a photo of this police officer saying literally you're next hashtag accountability. Awful. You know, still hasn't been penalized by Twitter. To me, something like that would seem like targeted harassment. But this is a pattern of people on the left demonizing police officers. And what I hate about this the most, um, this because it always comes from from liberal black celebrities, is that it denies the existence of black cops. There are a lot of black cops around America serving these communities, putting their lives on the line. And this demonization is making things more dangerous for them as well. And Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz agrees. I want you to listen um, to Ted Cruz talking about this LeBron James tweet. Uh, play cut nine. Well, you know, unfortunately, this is a pattern where the left consistently goes after, attacks, and demonizes police officers. And they do so often before the facts are known, often before there's any evidence of what happened. But their immediate reaction whenever there's an incident is the police officer's in the wrong, the police officer is is, is the villain. In, in this instance, your next uh, could, could certainly be interpreted by some even for as a call for violence. And I think it was a grossly irresponsible message for LeBron James to send out. And We've now seen the body cam footage from what occurred, and, and by any measure, it was a volatile situation. The, the, the woman who was, was killed was wielding a, a knife, was violent, appeared to be threatening the lives of others. It may well be on an investigation that this police officer saved the life uh, of a potential victim of a knife attack. And, yeah. and, and, and we should jump to conclusions. There needs to be an investigation. Anytime there is a shooting that takes someone's life, it should be investigated. The facts should be determined, but the left doesn't care about the facts. They care about demonizing and attacking law enforcement, and I think it's wrong. He's absolutely right. The left doesn't really care about facts. Um, the left doesn't even really care about most of, of these people that are involved in these shootings. Uh, you just look at how quickly um, they move on when things don't fit the narrative. And as a matter of fact, if the left cared so much um, there was a, a, a seven-year-old black girl, I believe her name was uh, Jocelyn Adams, that was killed in Chicago. You don't hear a peep about this. You never hear anything about um, these lives that were lost unless they were killed by a white police officer. 
And so Ted Cruz is absolutely right about this. And the question is, the question that I have is, what does this mean to police officers and their safety and how they are seen by the communities in which they have to work when somebody as big as LeBron James who has millions and millions and millions of followers on social media. When if LeBron James says something, it is global news. What does this do to their ability to do their jobs when he tweets this photo of this officer and says, you're next? What does it do when the most prominent black leaders in society make it a point to demonize all police officers? And obviously they're demonizing the white ones because they, you know, look, people on the left need for African-Americans and for black people in America to feel like perpetual victims so that they can constantly maintain their control over them. And so for these people, for them to even um, recognize the existence of black police officers and even celebrate that and even celebrate these black police officers that put their lives on the line every single day in majority black communities to even acknowledge their existence is to go against the narrative that they're pushing. And now listen to noted race hustler, legendary race hustler. I I think that he literally wrote the book on race hustling. This is Al Sharpton and this is Al Sharpton talking about the police. And and, and this is what he has to say about the cops Um, play cut five. Well, the thing we don't know is the the circumstances in North Carolina. We don't know uh, everything about Ohio, whether there was another way could have dealt with it. The families reached out to us. We don't know uh, everything. We do know a knife was there. We know, Dante, there was no knife. But the one thread between all of them and many other cases is the lack of trust in the criminal justice system and law enforcement. That's why you need the legislation. Every case, the police may not be wrong, but every case, they're not right. And that is why there's such distrust, because they've unilaterally always gone with the police. The police is right. Don't question the police. When when I stood with, with uh, the Floyd family uh, the other night and heard the verdict and all of us broke out in tears, I thought about how I stood in courtrooms with the mother of Amadou Diallo and the mother of Sean Bell and Eric Garner and others that never even got a guilty verdict. Some in Eric Garner's case never even got to court. Michael Brown's case, Tamir Rice's case, they never even got to court. So in many ways, people are saying, well, let's judge things one by one, which may be right. But then judge them one by one Then when the police kills a 12-year-old boy in Ohio. Then judge that one by one. The police have almost had immunity uh, in terms of some areas of law enforcement. And that needs to stop by federal law. Now, do you notice that all of these cases are always conflated with one another? And the Tamir Rice case was, was awful, was horrifying. Obviously, police officers were in the wrong in that. And, and when that came out, if you're not aware of that, there was a there was a kid that was uh, he's like waving around a toy gun, I believe, and was shot and killed. He's 12, 13 years old, I think. But there is this conflation of all of these different situations that they use 
to push this narrative and push this agenda. And Al Sharpton, he was dragged all over the internet a couple of days ago because he was talking, you know, uh, he did a video, I'm on my way to Minneapolis fighting for justice. And, you know, and he's strutting to a private jet. And he decides, and he thinks in his mind that that's a good thing to put on Twitter. And this is why, you want to talk about a lack of trust. I trust police officers more than I trust any of these race hustlers. Because they have been doing this over and over and over again for decades at this point. They do not care that they are hurting black communities. They do not care about the black lives that are lost because of gang violence or the black lives that are lost during the BLM protests. They do not care about these lives because these lives do not fit their agenda. These lives do not give them more political power. These lives do not give them more notoriety. So I trust them less and less. And I'm going to tell you, when you talk to real People in America, black, white or otherwise, particularly black Americans, these black liberal commentators that run around the cable news and, and, and talk all this gibberish, they don't represent the vast majority of black Americans because the vast majority of black Americans have common sense because this is common sense stuff that we're dealing with here. And I'm going to tell you something. The pattern of police officer hatred that is being normalized here hurts black communities. And I'm going to tell you all about that after the break. Could the stock market actually surprise a lot of folks and be on the precipice here of some historic gains? All depends on what you're invested in and what you do. But my friends at Carnivore Trading believe they've spotted some key indicators that mean that there are going to be big profits in some sectors that the Wall Street experts are going to miss. Carnivore Trading is an elite squad of strategists who influence major Wall Street investors. And when you subscribe to Carnivore, you'll receive real-time text alerts of explosive trades they're making for their elite clients. You can mirror their trades with whatever broker you use or pass. That's fine. But why would you pass when their trades routinely crush the S&P 500? When you see this for yourself, then you'll know. They guarantee, that's right, guarantee you'll earn five times your monthly subscription or double your money back. That's five times your monthly subscription fee just by mirroring their trades. The market could be on the verge of this massive upswing. Carnivore thinks it is. Get off the sidelines and mirror Carnivore's trades today. Right now, you'll get two weeks free. Visit GetOurTrades.com and use promo code BUCK. That's GetOurTrades.com. Make sure you enter that promo code BUCK to get two weeks free. See website for guarantee terms and conditions. Past performance, not a guarantee of future earnings. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Join the conversation and message Buck on Facebook, Instagram, or email teambuck at iheartmedia.com. He may read it on the show. We have all of this demonization of police officers. That we have people like, you know, Al Sharpton, you know, talking about, you know, the police are, they may not always be wrong, but they're never right. We have all of this stuff. What does this do to the perception of police officers in these communities? And we'll just talk about the black communities. The pattern of police officer hatred hurts black communities. It it really does. And I cannot overstate this enough. Because when you look at the communities that are the most over-policed in America, these communities are majority African-American because these are the most crime-ridden communities out there, particularly the communities in the inner cities. And these are just facts. These are just facts. Because facts are facts. Facts don't have an agenda. 
Facts don't have a narrative. Facts don't have a liberal or conservative bias. They are just facts. And the communities that are hurt the most by these are primarily African-American communities. And I'll tell you, what is going to happen when people start demonizing the police in this way? And that they keep on doing it. What is going to happen? Police are going to start fleeing the cities. They are going to start leaving these cities behind. That is exactly what is going to happen. And there's an article from the Daily Caller basically dealing with record high murder rates, Philadelphia struggling to recruit police officers. A combination of the coronavirus pandemic putting police training on hold, a decreasing amount of people wanting to become police officers in big city, and a spike in retirements have all contributed to the problem. This is coming from uh, John McNesby, who's the president of the Fraternal Order of Police um, in Philadelphia. So you have police officers who do not want to be cops. They are seeing the hatred that is coming up for police officers and they are just retiring. They are saying, I don't want to do this anymore. I literally cannot think, think of a more thankless job in the world right now than to be a police officer because everybody hates them. Nobody respects them. People think that they are the enemy. And this is what they are being told by LeBron James. This is what they're being told by these people in the media. This is what they're being told by, you know, people like Juan Williams on Fox news. And what is going to happen is the suburbs are going to start filling these spots. Now, in this article, they talk about Philly and how Philly can't get cops. Who would want to move to Philadelphia right now? Who would want to move to Philadelphia right now to be a police officer? What crazy person would want to do that? Would want to police the streets of Philadelphia right now or any large city? Detroit, Philadelphia, New York, L.A., Atlanta. Who would want to go to any of these large cities to police? These guys are moving to the suburbs. They are having no problem finding police officers. And this is what happens. And this is, you know, the uh, the director of this uh, Bucks County Police Training Center um, told the Daily Caller that I, I do see a number of officers from some of the bigger cities like New York and Philadelphia. Yes. And this uh, this person uh, also said that the Philadelphia Police Off Department is operating at dangerously low levels. So what happens when we have a society that demonizes police? These people do not want to do this job. They leave the cities that need them the most. And these cities get more and more dangerous. There is a shocking rise of violent crime in a lot of the cities in America. And you see it all over the place. If you want to take about, you want to think about New York, and for example, you want to see the real New York. Don't see you. You ever notice how you don't see a whole lot about what it actually looks like on the streets of New York? You know, you see the people on the sets on MSNBC, and then you know they're they're, um, you know, coming in from their homes or from the studios, or whatever. But you don't see anything that's really going on in the streets because violent crime is rising in New York. Violent crime is rising in Detroit. Violent crime is rising in Philadelphia. Violent crime is rising in these places because they are struggling to recruit police officers. Police officers do not want to do this job. They do not want to do this job. And here's the thing about the police officers, the, demon, the demonizing in the black communities. Um, Candace Owens, gotta love her, has had a lot to say about this topic this week. And I, I want 
to play you. This is something that uh, that she said about police off- policing right now and the police officers in just this this moment that we're in when it comes to policing. Uh, play uh, cut sixteen. If that's what you want, if you would like for police officers to simply stop policing, raise your hand. And let me tell you something. That's what you're going to get. And let me tell you something else. That wish is a racist one because we all know which are the neighborhoods that need the most policing. We all know that there are minority neighborhoods where the police are called, called the most to deal with violent crimes. We all know that this scenario is going to lead to more black death. So if you're a person who goes, well, we just got me police officers, you know exactly what you are doing. I don't blame police officers right now if they want to step down. I don't blame them. I, I, personally, I would almost respect if police officers went on strike. I would respect it. You know what? This Let, let the neighborhoods turn into Gotham City. Let, let the neighborhoods, let them riot, let them loot, let them burn. If they want to murder one another, and what, what would be the purpose of a police officer wanting to hold that badge, have that badge anymore, when this is how we treat them? And I mean, she's absolutely right. She is absolutely right. Look, I I can't think of a more thankless job to do right now in the United States other than being a police officer. You are risking your life every single day. You are walking down the street. People hate you. People hate you. I remember uh, last summer, a couple summers ago, and you will probably see Instagram and and Twitter videos and stuff like this. uh, People uh, running around shooting cops with uh, super soaker water guns. You know, some of them are filled with urine. Throwing water balloons at them filled with urine, stuff like that. This is how police officers are treated in these communities. And you know who is not bashing police and you know who is not asking for less police? The people who actually live in these communities. The people who live in these communities are not asking for more police. It is just the wealthy, black and white liberal elite that do not have to live in these neighborhoods. They get carted around from car to set to Martha's Vineyard to wherever. They do not have to live these lives. And I'm telling you something. They do not care about the neighborhoods that they are destroying with this rhetoric. They do not care because to these people, and this is the problem with liberalism. This is just the problem with liberalism in general because you can say the right things, the quote unquote right things. They will say the things that will make them popular. They will say the things that will make all the other idiot seals clap. But these things are not real. And these things have a detrimental impact on the lives of the people in these communities. And it's a detrimental impact on the lives of these people in the communities that they claim to care for. Because you cannot care for the people in these communities. You cannot care for People in inner city communities. You cannot care for people in in rural crime ridden communities. You cannot care about people and not tell them the truth. Because the truth is hard. The truth hurts. And the truth sometimes sucks. And you know what? The truth is not going to get you 10,000 retweets. And the truth may not get you, you know, an invite to sit down and moderate a conversation with President Obama. And the truth certainly is not going to get you a primetime show on MSNBC. But the truth is the truth. Facts are facts. And if we continue to demonize the police in this way, if we continue to engender a culture in which people hate police officers and start to live and create this weird weird world in which all police officers are racist white people, 
as opposed to the the black people and the Latino people and the Asian people and all of these people that are also serving to keep the peace. If we continue to fall down into this rabbit hole, this is not going to end well. And you see it happening with the police officers leaving the big cities. You see it happen with the crime rising D.C., Detroit, Atlanta, L.A., Philly, New York, certain areas of Brooklyn, certainly the Bronx. And so these communities are the communities that are hurt the most. So we have to start having a different conversation about this, and we have to start holding the media accountable and holding these people who spout out this rhetoric more accountable for this stuff because this is going to end up hurting these communities.